You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Today we have Matthew Frederick, an exceptional guest and real estate investor out of Toronto region of Ontario, focus on his focus on scaling his multifamily and different other strategies like self-storage and the U.S. real estate market. Please help me to welcome our guest, Matthew. How are you, Matthew? Fantastic, and it's great to be here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for, for uh, thanks so much for being with us today, and I appreciate you taking the time. So, Always great uh, to be here. Thanks. Uh, Matthew, your background is super impressive from an immigrant and teacher to a successful real estate investor, but I would like to start with beginning. What was the motivation to say, I want to start real estate? Well, a lot of people started off by always sort of knowing real estate was a thing for them. For me, it wasn't that way. You know, when I was 16, being an immigrant, I thought, I came to Canada in 1972. So by the time I was 16, it's been ingrained in me to, you're new here, got to work twice as hard to get as far. And it's important to own a piece of Canada. So from 16 to 19, I had a job which uh, it was a business I created where I would drop off cookbooks and sell them for about $14, buy them for four, drop them to businesses, have the secretary sell them for me, and then come with all the new cookbooks and obviously give her one for free or give him one for free. You know, by the time I was 19, I was able to buy a house for around $85,000 because back in those days, houses were $85,000. And uh, I bought it. My parents helped me a little bit, but I was not an investor. I just wanted to have something to help me to pay my rent. So my house had a basement apartment and a main floor and second floor. I was on the main and second floor Mm. and uh, we shared a kitchen. So today, maybe you call that house hacking. I'm not really sure. Back then we called it, we called it, you buy a house and you share a kitchen. (laughs) Um, My brother, four years later, I was a teacher by that time. He came to me and said, I want you to invest in real estate. And I I go, I'm not doing it. I'm I'm a teacher. I invested my time in that. Mm. And I already have a property, but he says, Hey, I'm your brother. I'm your older brother. I'm a cop, got a gun. You know what? You got to invest because I'm a systems guy. So he kind of pulled me into it, dragged me into it fighting. So it was really not my choice. Uh, Like a superhero, you know, Um, Superman didn't plan to be Superman and Spider-Man didn't plan to be Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man got bitten. Superman, his parents threw him in a ship. So it was more like that. I didn't plan to be an investor. My brother pulled me into it. I had no choice. But I'm happy. Okay. Um, so you started your career was, I think, like everyone, single family since the evolution of multifamily. But uh, like as we, as we discussed before the show, uh, I would like to focus on the self-storage industry. So that's why I was going to try to ask you about what is your target market when you're working on uh, self-storage business, especially that, as we mentioned, that nationwide we have like four to 5,000 uh, self-storage all over Canada. So what is your target market now, right now, when you're looking for self-storage? Well, I will say to you that uh, self-storage in the last three or four years has probably increased by at least 60%. And I've been doing this self-storage for going back about 15, 16 years, right? Mm. Um, Just really quickly, how I got into it, I had some cottages up in the Halliburton area. I used to bring Mm. a coffee for a gentleman whenever I was in town. 
yeah. like driving towards Halliburton because I liked him, old timer. And I would chat with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had cancer. I didn't realize that. And uh, years later, he had cancer. And he said, you know what? I'm, I have colon cancer. I'm actually dying. I go, my God, you know, I, I feel horrible. He says, I want you to buy my self-storage system. I go, I, I don't buy self-storage. They're, they're kind of ugly. I like uh, houses. I'm a house guy. He goes, no, self-storage w- will treat you well. Mm-hmm. I go, no, 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 no. I'm not into self-storage. He goes, trust me. I can sell this for whatever I want. But you have been stopping and bringing me coffee once a month, whenever you come up. And I want you to have it. So you know what? I thought, okay, I'll, I'll buy it. Mm. And uh, he gave me a, a Venetic back mortgage and mm. I bought it. And it's the most profitable real estate class that I've ever done business in. You know, no fridge, no stove, no washer, no dryer, no kids, no pets. People are renting a space. Uh, I have my security system. Uh, it's amazing. And on top of it all, I've done strip plaza. I've done multifamily. You know, I've built houses, so I can tell you, self-storage is it for me. Today, it's kind of hard to find self-storage within the city. And I'll tell you that if you buy a piece of land that's not zoned for self-storage, cities don't want to zone it for self-storage. Therefore, you have to get something industrial. And generally, they're around highways, industrials, industrial areas. Hmm. So it's it's hard to buy them in Toronto, GTA. But if you're looking to get into it, maybe an hour out of Toronto, um, 45 minutes, but you have to make sure that there's growth in the area, growth of new people coming into the area. Students come in, go to school and stay, like in Kitchener, for instance, as opposed to going to a school in a town and leave, right? Mm. You know, you want growth. 100%. Uh, but going to this point, uh, when you're dealing with different kind of strategies on self-storage, plazas and commercial mainly, and then multifamily, as this is like a little bit too wide of range of uh, markets and why you're not in just one market. Because there's two strategies here. Some people like to have diversity and some people like to have just one uh, niche and focus on. So what is your strategy here about this? So both methods are correct. Yeah. And uh, at me, at heart, I'm an explorer. Hmm. So I live to learn. I enjoy learning. Yeah. And I love the challenge of new things. Yeah. And because I love to explore and I love new things, it would be very hard for me to stay in one category and just grow in that one category, number one. Number two, technically, I bought my first house 37 years ago. I've been a full-time investor for 32 years. So where were you 32 years ago, right? Yeah. Now, the market has changed over 32 years. Sometimes interest rates were 9% and properties were appreciating 5%. You know, today the interest rates were like 2% and properties are appreciating 17%. To think that one strategy will last in one season for 32 years just wasn't the case. There were times that buy, fix, and sell worked. And there was times that rent to owns worked. But when the market is at the top, how do you promise somebody that they're buying a house, renting to own it, and you give them a price three years from now that's higher when the market might collapse? There's a season for different types of strategies. Hmm. And therefore, it's I'm an explorer, number one. But number two, to survive, I'm a hunter. I had, not a literal hunter, but you know what? If you're a real estate investor, you're not a farmer. You're not planting, you're hunting. And sometimes you have to follow the caribou. And over 32 years, I followed the caribou. I would love to stay in one spot and just hopefully the buffalo come to me. But it wasn't the case (laughs) in real estate. And that's the, the two reasons why 
I like this, to be honest, the diversity because everyone on the last 10 years was focused only on um, force appreciation with Burr. But uh, we, we, me personally, as you said, you've been on the market for 37 years. I've been on the market for seven years and I didn't see before this. I was an immigrant also. So right. this is, uh, was my struggle in the beginning. Do I have to have a diverse uh, portfolio or just focus? But I didn't have this perspective, which is, of course, I, 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 uh, I understand because the market is not always like this with appreciation. So right now it's working with a bird because of the appreciation market, but what will happen after that? So yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so most of my correct, my investing career, I've done burr, but interest rates were 6% and properties were naturally appreciating 5%. Hmm. And, then, and then at the same time, banks were very conservative. Yeah. So you're not burring at 2% rate and 17% increase without like before you put money into it. That only exists in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because again, you, you said that the banks also was conservative for the appraisals. So even if yes. you add Burl, where are you going to find this kind of money to pull out so you can have an actual, what we say is perfect Burl? Exactly. Okay, uh, but okay. So going back again to the uh, self-storage, uh, to just uh, understand and have an analysis like apple to apple little bit on the market about multifamily and self-storage so if we're uh, comparing uh, the actual uh, regular profits on the market so what is your target cap rate when you're looking for uh, self-storage well the self-storage um, people can use a cap rate but it's harder to calculate cap rate on self-storage uh, in a sense um, as a comparison to let's say multifamily yeah I will say to you that um, the difference is when you have self-storage, if you buy on a, on a good piece of land that's not overpriced, you have an, a proper number of units, you're really looking for cash flow hmm. because self-storage will not appreciate like a multifamily, hmm. but self-storage would make three times or four times the cash flow, hmm. three or four times the cash flow as a multifamily hmm. and uh at the same time, the stress level to maintain it and the cost out of your pocket is far less, mm. but the appreciation is not there like a multifamily. Mm. Multifamily will not cash flow like a self-storage. There's a lot more energy you have to put into multifamily because you have families, mm. but it'll appreciate greater. So you have to ask yourself, am I in this for cash flow or am I in this for appreciation? Mm. And Sometimes you might want to have both where you're getting cash flow to put dollars in your pocket and you have multifamily, which will make some cash flow, but will appreciate greater over the next five, 10 years. If you know, if you asked me a year ago, cap rate on a multifamily, I like to buy three and a half to 4%. Everybody's trying to sell multifamily at 2% cap rate. Hmm. Like everybody thinks if they're living in Welland, they think that's Kitchener which is probably a three, three and a half percent cap rate. And so now that now that the cap rates are out of whack, hopefully things will get back into gear because people are trying to sell their properties at 2%, which it doesn't make sense. I like to buy multifamily at three to 5% cap rate. My self-storages, uh, I haven't bought a self-storage in about 10 years, but mm. you know, the cap's higher, seven, eight, 9%. Okay. 
Because so, keep in mind, your expenses are very low. Yeah, we, we're getting to this point. But before we go to the expenses and NOI, uh, what about the actual market rate for the internal rate of return, the IRR? You know what? I think, uh, yeah, the the self-storage is superior, right, hmm. uh, to to the uh, multifamily by far. Hmm. Okay, okay. The financing so is what becomes a problem. Um, it's harder to finance self-storage than it is to finance multifamily. Oh, okay. So if you're buying self-storage, chances are you try to get a VTB, hmm. and then you try to make sure you fill that that unit up or that location up it takes about two years from zero to fill up a self-storage okay 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 so you know one of the other things is between the multifamily and self-storage is the vacancy rate so uh, usually on multifamily you're looking for 95 percent always uh, if it's not bitter but on self-storage what is your target uh, vacancy rate well, on most self-storage, I target 90%. But okay. here's the problem. My self-storage is always 100%. In other words, I have a waiting list. Okay. Now, so why not just rent it at 100%? Because what happens if you rent a self-storage at 100%, which is different than a multifamily, is that somebody who has, let's say, a 10 by 15, they want to move down to a 10 by 10. But they can't move down because you're 100% capacity. Okay. So therefore, they'll leave, they'll go somewhere else. Or somebody who's got a 10 by 10 wants to go to a 10 by 15, you have no space for them, they'll leave. Okay. And if you're 100% capacity, people will drive by you and you'll become irrelevant. Mm. So I could make way more money at 90% capacity on a self-storage than I can on a multifamily for equal price if I had bought uh, both, units for e both uh, properties for equal price. Is this but, came from try and error or was this, this was actual uh, like uh, market strategy? Is this coming well, from you? Like yes. your strategy, like try and error, you tried the other way around and you compare apple to apple? Yeah, so it, 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 this comes okay. from me. That I found when I was 100% capacity with self-storage, I was losing out. I was losing oh, because wow. people would leave and they would never come back. And sometimes you don't want to leave a good person. Now, how is it it's different for multifamily? Someone's in multifamily. If they say, you know what, I have a tenant in multifamily. They've been here for 15 years. Well, that's yeah. not good news because they're probably paying a rent of 700 bucks yeah. when it should be 1400. Yeah. When it comes to self-storage, you want somebody there a very long time. Mm. If they're there for one or two years, just consistently paying you mm. 500 bucks a month for that unit, mm. you want a long-term tenant. So I find that a good long-term tenant is required in self-storage and I lose my good long-term tenant if I don't have a space for them to upsize or downsize, mm -hmm. which is opposite to multifamily. Multifamily, I love my tenants, but if they leave, I'm, if they're paying a low rent, I'm okay with that. But so uh, to this content. point, to this point, because you said you want to have people for long-term, but on the same time, because self-storage is commercial space, so it's not under rent control. So the other part of the, the play, if you have every year and you, a tenant, you're going to have a, a better rent because it's not up to um, the rent control. You get what I'm saying? But on, on like a multifamily is different. You have a cab anyway. Yeah. So when it comes to, let's say, renting a 10 by 15, 
Yeah. Let's say that you rent it for, I'm going to pick a number, 500 bucks. Yeah. Next year, that's not going to go up to 700. Basically, that's going to be 510, 495, oh, okay. 520, mm-hmm. 480. It bumps up $10 here or there. Mm-hmm. Therefore, your storage rental, you're not looking for it to bump up every year. Like, let's say um, you would like it to, but it generally doesn't. Yeah, okay. Uh, like, like a multifamily. So if somebody's there for three years, pay me 500 bucks, yeah. I can build into the lease whatever I want to build in because it's not regulated. I can say after the first year, I'm going to increase it by $15. Next year, increase it by $15. Chances are they might just leave. So ultimately, I'm okay if they're consistent. I'm okay if they pay me 500 bucks. I don't care for the extra 20 if I can keep them there for a longer time. Okay. Now, if it were a multifamily and you're paying $500 and the market rent is now 800, I want the 800. Yeah. You see? Yeah. yeah. So it's, you want consistency. You want uh, people who can respect the property and people who don't store things that can cause issues for you. Okay. Okay. So going back to his expenses part, because again, another comparison between multifamily and self-storage. So what is uh, regular and basic uh, expenses on, on self-storage? Well, self-storage is about 36% cost, let's say, to operate it, hmm. okay? And about 26% is your mortgage in general. And hmm. then you may want an 8% vacancy. So how does that work out? I, I know it's not great to tell numbers, hmm. um, but for instance, if I were to get one acre, and that's pretty much too small, but an acre can hold about, an acre is about 43,560 square feet in that range. Hmm. Well, if you have one acre, and you have a 30 feet wide by 100 foot depth self-storage, I'm talking one level with the garage doors, hmm. that's 3,000 square feet, 30 by 100. You can put five of those 30 wide by 100 deep, 3,000 square foot um, buildings on an acre. So now you have 15,000 square feet. So five buildings times 3,000. Hmm. The land ratio is 35% which means you can only use 35% of the land because yeah. people have to drive around and sort of, you know, you, you know, pull in and empty their Utilize stuff. the space, yeah. Yeah, so you're only using 35% of the land. The rest of it is for people to drive around. Now, let's say you have one building, one of these 3,000 square foot buildings has 22 units and it's a whole mix of units. Hmm. And if you have five buildings, then you have five times 22, you have 110 units. You know, at 110 units, if the average rent of 110 units was 250 a unit, and by the way, if you have a 10 by 15, that could be 500. If you have a a 10 by 10, it could be, you know, 450. But let's say you had 110 units, which Hmm. is the five buildings. Now, it's 250 per unit. That's 27,500 coming in that month. Now, with 27,500, which is 110 times 250, when you subtract away 36% operating costs, from 27,500, that's about 9,900, 36%. And then let's say your mortgage is 26%, that's 7,150. Let's say your vacancy, you want some vacancy, so 8%, 2,200, you know, your cash flow is 8,000 from 27,500 minus 990, 36%, minus 7,150, 26% for your debt service, minus 8% vacancy, 2,200. $8,000 $8,000 for that one acre of cash flow. On now, I don't know how many units. Well, altogether, it's 115 units. So it's, it's okay. right. It's 110 units. Okay. Okay. Because if you recall, 
each building is 30 by 100, 3,000 square feet. Yeah. 3,000 times five buildings, you got 15,000 square feet. Each building has 22 units. When I say 22, I mean, you have about five smaller five by 10s, got a bunch of 10 by 15s, got a bunch of 10 by 10s, and a bunch of 10 by 30s, all at different rents. Makes it makes it easier. But with that one unit with 22 units, that one building with 22 units, times five, 22 times five is 110. Mm -hmm. 110 Mm -hmm. times 250 is the 27,500. Yeah. We subtract away your 36% operating cost, your, 30, your 26% debt service, and your 8% vacancy. Your cash flow is $8,000. I don't know what building is giving me $8,000 for the same price that I paid for this self-storage. Mm. Obviously, if the land is more expensive, you have to go up an extra level. And if the land is even more expensive, you have to go up a third level. So you see a lot of these 144,000 square foot, three-story buildings that has to happen because the land nowadays used to be half a million dollars an acre. Maybe it's a million dollars an acre. Maybe it's two million an acre, two million an acre. But again, it's a lot of cash flow. So as you mentioned, uh, like on multifamily, usually the expense is about 50 to 60%, but you're saying that yes. on the self store is about 35%, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So what kind of expenses you have? Like uh, you mentioned uh, security, you mentioned, uh, I think, utilities. What else main okay. expenses on, on, on self-storage? So expense will be your insurance. Hmm. But of course, I want each of my units to have self, self-insurance. So they have to insure their own unit. Hmm. So I have to have insurance. I have to have internet. I have to have security cameras. Hmm. I may have a, a, a location, a storefront, a small one where somebody might be there Wednesday, Saturday. It depends on how, like the busy times in your area. Mm-hmm. So I may have a full-time employee, one employee on Wednesday, on Monday, maybe Friday, sometimes Wednesday, Friday, uh, Saturday. Saturday mm-hmm. is a busy day. Got to cover them. And then at the same time, I have to sh- shovel the snow. That costs money to clear the, yeah. the driveway. And, and, and generally that's it. There's grass that has to be cut. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Really, uh, the lights are the common area lights, which are the lights for the for the parking, the parking know, for the, yep. the driveway. And of course, uh, your heat for your building, if you have a building. So it's not really major expense. Your labor, and some cell storages don't have labor. Mm. You pull mm. up and you use a card and the gate opens and you go in 24 hours. Mm. You do your thing. You come back out. You drive back out again. But I think it's important to be have at least one or two days with somebody there in a little small store. And your little small store can sell things, boxes and and accessories, bubble wrap and things like that, right? 100%. Uh, my next question will be about creativity and unique strategies for self-storage, especially as you mentioned. It was a really good example about uh, how expensive and appreciated market, you have to be more creative. So what is your... Um, a strategy in appreciated market and when you have problem with municipalities about restriction and zoning and when there's an actual vicious competition like again in Ontario so what is your actual strategy to so you can get uh, more of that space well you might want to combine your cell storage with uh, another concept where Let's see, who's using cell storage these days? A lot of seniors who mm. sell their houses and just can't part with their stuff. Yeah. But a lot of immigrants are uh, entrepreneurial and they store some of their material, their import export, mm. or let's say you're a craftsman, or let's say that you are you fix elevators or something. 
you store your stuff in your garage and that's not a safe place to store things. People can break into that. They quicker store their equipment in the self-storage and they can come to the self-storage, take what they need and they can go out. To make more money, you would have, uh, let's say a building space where someone can shower. They can shower, change, hmm. and then they can grab the material. Cause sometimes if you're self-employed, you have to go and get quotes. Hmm. And, then, and then you have to jump in your clothes and your work clothes and you have to go and actually work on site. It's a combination. So it might be that you offer additional services. Like for instance, you might have coffee. You might have a, a room for people to get together, like a meeting room. You might even have little small office spaces where people can rent on a weekly basis. You know, you may sell uh, all the things required to package and store things. In other words, a little bit, a little bit different. You may even have locations for, uh, you, you may get a post box in a sense where people come and get their mail. Yeah. So it's a lot of additives. It could be people get their mail. You might have some kind of a cafe there. Hmm. So it's a combination of self-storage and a business. It's like a business center. You might even have a, a, a shared laser printer. So almost like a, a shared office space community center along with the storage. But of course, the storage would have to be also what's called clean storage, nice, safe, indoor storage, as well as external storage. In other words, what I'm saying is you have to try to combine more services than just a regular self storage. Yeah, yeah. I, I see a lot space. of businesses, relatives, and manufacturers do using their uh, self storage as a as a storage for them for like documentation, materials. So yeah, I agree with you on the, on this part. So uh, going back to multifamily versus um, self storage, if you're comparing between a pros and cons between the two strategies, because you have both of them. So yes. you agree that both of them has some pros and cons. So for you, what was uh, the actual comparison between the both businesses? Well, on a personal level, because I came up through the ranks, which means I had houses and I had buildings. Hmm. There's so many years and years of dealing with tenants. Hmm. Of course, I have property managers who deal with my tenants now. Yeah. But what it does, it creates a bit of a negative feeling in you. Sometimes after I've been to war, because sometimes having tenants is like being to war, and I also have excellent tenants. I find that when I'm talking to a tenant, sometimes I'm kind of looking at their neck. I want to squeeze their neck, right? <laughs> I don't feel that way when I'm with self-storage because I don't have to cry to chop somebody in the neck, right? Yeah. Now, so I find that dealing with people, which is fantastic, you got great property managers, self-storage, it's a lot less of that. Somebody comes in, they put their stuff in, the only problems I ever have is somebody backs into a door. That's about it. And then if you're storing Harley Davidson's or if you're storing Honda Civic parts, I don't allow that. I don't allow the storage of tires because that's flammable. The Harley Davidson's and the Honda parts, people like to steal that. So I don't tend to allow people to st store what can be stolen. And at the same time, you, you can always have a, a drug dog, police drug dog, come check out the, your units mm. once every four months, right? Mm. But, but I found that it's a lot more labor intensive to deal with the multifamily. Whereas with the self-storage, it's a lot less labor intensive. And I found yeah. the cash flow with the self-storage superior to the, to the um, multifamily. Mm. But I found the multifamily has doubled in value and tripled in value. And appreciation. Whereas my self-storage, like I bought a self-storage for $680,000 a, a while ago. Mm. And at the same time, I bought a multifamily for around the same price. That multifamily, like 15 years later, 
is worth from the 680, it's worth about 2.8 million. Hmm. Technically, the self-storage, cities don't like them, like the old type. They're ugly. Hmm. Well, that self-storage has gone up probably to 1.2 million. And in the hmm. last three years, because hmm. people are so gung-ho for it, I can probably sell it for 1.8. But that's hmm. only because people are gung-ho for it. Yeah. So self-storage will not appreciate like a building will. That's, that's, that's really the big difference. And again, to get financed, you're getting 55% financed in some cases, and cities tend not to want to allow you to grow unless you can show that you're doing more with the land. Mm. See, the land is not being utilized with self-storage, whereas with a multifamily, you have a higher density. Yes. And cities prefer density. More density, more property taxes. More property taxes, more people, more people working, more taxes, mm. whereas self-storage is not going to pay the taxes that a multifamily building will. So the city likes the building as opposed to the self-storage. And the self-storage hires only one person, maybe two. Okay. You know? Yeah. So again, it, it, it's hard to compare them. Mm. Um, it all depends on you, how much stress you want to go through, mm. what type of income you want. And it's okay to have both. And it's hard to get self-storage. So I would say for every three buildings you can find, you have three buildings. If you had one self-storage, that would be great. Mm. If you had six buildings and one self-storage, that would be great as well. Because the self-storage is what pays for when my building... See, my buildings look as though they have made great cash flow. But when anything goes wrong, you know, you're expecting 4,000 cash flow that year. I'm just giving an example. Sorry. You're expending... Let's say you're expecting a cash flow of $12,000. When anything goes wrong with that building, 12,000 can leave pretty quickly. Having the self-storage yeah. has put the money in my pocket to make up the difference, to make multifamily very viable. Hmm. One supports the other. The different strategies. Okay. The diversity. If I'm, yeah. to, if I'm trying to bore against my portfolio to buy another building, self-storage yeah. is not helping me. So you can see how there's a symbiotic relationship. You got five or six buildings. You got one self-storage. Self-storage will help compensate for the shortfalls of the building. If something happens. Buildings will mm. compensate for the shortfall of the self-storage when you want to refinance. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's not so, one or the other. So going back to one of really one of the important points is the lending. As a commercial space, uh, what is uh, the act, your strategy when you're dealing with commercial space with hard money and vendor take back and uh, like uh, regular uh, lender B? So what is the actual differences on the lending side besides the 55%? Uh, it's 50%, I think, on the commercial space is 50% loan to value? Well, yes. Um, actually, for most of the strip plazas I've bought, it's 35%, right? And if you're mm. buying obviously above six units, banks would want you to, even a multifamily, they would want you to put 35% down, right? You know, and the same with 65 to 75, yeah, 65 to 75 loan to value. Yeah, so most of my commercial buildings, like my multifamilies, I put 35% down. Yeah. Most of my strip plazas, I put 35% down. Of course, not every bank is the same. Not every credit union is the same. Not every trust company is the same. They all have their, their sweet spots. Line. Yeah, exactly. But I found that uh, what I tend to do is I get my private money from building owners. 
So I find buildings that were purchased maybe in 2003, 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. That generally means the owner is about maybe 60 to about 75 years of age. And I call them and I say, hey, I want to buy your building. It's an incredible building. And they say, it's not for sale. I go, let me ask you a question. Do you ever lose the desire to invest in real estate? Like, do you lose it? And they say, no, you don't lose it. I says, well, you're still growing. They say, no, I'm not still growing. So you're not growing. You got tons of equity and you're not buying. They say, that's right. I go, how come? They say, well, I'm too old. I go, you know what? Let me be your Viagra. Let me go in there and do all the physical work for you. And you can still enjoy buying buildings, living vicariously through me. Mm. I tell them that. Mm. Let me be your Viagra. I know it sounds weird, but you got to stun them. <laughs> okay. Correct. Because guess what? These guys are not the kind of investors who are stuck in the stock market or stuck other places. I don't have to convince them real estate works. They bought a property in 2003 worth probably half a million. Today, it's worth 4 million. Hmm. And they got a ton of equity. Hmm. So I say to them, I want to get involved in real estate. I want to get involved in self-storage. or I want to buy multifamily buildings. Hmm. Let's get into a partnership where you provide the dollars and the financing, whether they give me a private loan whether they give me uh, equity to come in as a partner, and most of them want to come in as a partner for equity, then ultimately that's how I fund most of my, my deals. And then if I can't do that, then I go to the bank next. So I'm not really a, a big bank guy. After one or two years of stabilizing a property, increasing the revenue, reducing the expense, getting the riffraff out, I'm in a position now to say, okay, let me go to the bank and get bank financing. But most mm -hmm. of my properties, I go to building owners who are not thinking of selling, not thinking of loading money, just want to still be in the game. So it's like more like a VTB or promissory uh, note or? In a lot of cases, it's a joint venture partnership where they okay. come in as a partner and hmm. they're on title of the building that we're buying. Hmm. But, I, but I am held as a, I'm a bear trustee, which means they're holding the building for the benefit of myself. Okay. And all the cash flow or 50% of it 50% of the appreciation, 50% of the mortgage pay down is promised to me over the next five years. Okay. But I do all the heavy lifting. Sometimes they may just give me the, a private loan and they're not looking to make 10 or 12%. They just want to be better than the GIC or better okay. than the mutual fund. Because these guys are much older, right? You know, they, they're, they're comfortable. Yeah. 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 So if I get a private loan from them, they have the equity, they lend the private money out, uh, it's only 8% which is not great, but it's not 12%. So yeah, because 12% is you're dealing with hard money. So you're not going to make any more any money or cash flow if you're going this high for a long time. Exactly. Hmm. But they invest not as much into the investment. They invest in a certain standard of, of how I, I see the world. Hmm. You know, I tell them the way I grew up, when you make a mistake, you say, sorry, you come square with the house, which means you pay your due. Then you go to the back of the line and you work your way up hmm. because today people say, I'm sorry. And then they say, what's next? Yeah. Like, like my, my nephews, I love them. They were moving something out of my house a few uh, years ago. They dropped a drawer, damaged it. It was like a $6,000 thing. And it says, we're so sorry. Uh, let's go for lunch. Go, what do you mean? Let's go for lunch. You're going to do my lawn for the next two years. You're going to wash my car for the next two years. Oh, we can't do that. That's like slavery. It's not. <laughs> Is he going to do it? To them, sorry was it. Sorry uh, just meant I'm sorry and there's no payback. Yeah. Well, folks who are in the 60s and 70s and 80s appreciate a person who says, when I say sorry, 
I come square with the house. I pay my dues. Mm. And then I go to the back of the line. And that's code for I am just like you. Mm. They see past your color. They see past your ethnic background. They see past your gender. They mm. see past your age. That is just one thing I say of maybe eight or nine things. But these things have to be said. 100%. It's a code, right? Yeah, yeah. To deal as an actual relationship so you can, because you're saying most of your joint venture is with, with people, not with that, that, uh, that uh, organization like Mac or, or, or Hard Money, which is making more sense because you're going to make potentially a better return when you're dealing with equity partners. So if you want to scale, just really quickly, because I know we're running out of time, yeah. uh, scaling really, people used to go three hours to get water and they come home and they do that twice in a day. That's six hours. Yeah. All of a sudden somebody invented indoor plumbing that took a massive increase of technology to invent indoor plumbing, but it reduced time and it reduced effort. If I were to borrow private money, which is nothing wrong with that. If I borrow private money for one year, it increases my stress level because I have to return that money in one year. Yeah. And investors, if I get money from investors, now they're like, my God, I want my money back. I want to see something in about one year. When you increase, when you have a better system, you're not supposed to be increasing your stress and your, your um, effort. Your system's supposed to take care of that. Like a mm -hmm. bicycle is a better thing than a tricycle. Better system. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when I get people who are equity investors, I give them a piece of the pie. In other words, it's your money. You come on in with me and you're a partner with me. And we'll discover how we'll end that partnership. It might be in five years, refinance, and I'm gone. Five years, refinance, you're gone. Five years, I take over the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Or five years from now, we go five more years. But making money with partners where they get a piece of the pie, not a million partners. Most of my properties is just with one or two other partners, mostly mm -hmm. one partner. Mm -hmm. And you know what? As long as everybody gets a piece of the pie, we're good to go. But I don't have to rush and pay them back. Because now I have five years to make this thing work. Yes. And I'm not looking for partners who only have 50,000 bucks. I'm looking for wealthier partners who own buildings. And they're cool under fire. So now I'm not stressed. In other words, my system reduces time, hmm. reduces effort. Because you can get yourself 10 properties and pat yourself in the back for getting financing from 10 different places. My God, you're amazing. But at the end of the year, you want to shoot yourself because now you have to repay all that money. And the pressure you put yourself under, you just lost your, your family. 100%, because okay, so it's a different stress here when you're dealing with uh, hard money, if you're not performing, they're gonna take the land or the property. But with yeah. uh, with uh, equity partner, if something disaster happened, you can describe and explain the reasoning, how yes. this year we didn't perform. And as you mentioned, you have five years to adjust and make it work and the biggest problems i've ever had is making anxious decisions by putting myself into the fire having five or six properties i've just bought and all of a sudden trying to fight out of that fire and what happens is even the most ethical person begins to second guess and rationalize things and i remember one year i made two million dollars my first year and uh guess what? I had to pay 1.1 million in tax. And I had a problem with that. I didn't pay it. And mm. the CRA came after me for under, under uh, reporting $375,000. Mm. And I was wrong. 
but I couldn't bring myself to that. And guess what? I learned my lesson. I had to pay the price and I learned my lesson. But why was I in that situation? Because I put myself into a pressure cooker where I was fighting for my survival because of the type of financing that I put myself into. And the partners that I brought in were partners who needed their money back right away. Yeah, yeah. So after I went through that, I said, you know what? Who the hell am I responsible to? Matthew Frederick, 10 years from now. 47-year-old Matthew Frederick is responsible to 57-year-old Matthew Frederick. And by the way, I'm 57. And I thank the 47-year-old Matthew Frederick for not being a jerk and trying to buy up everything he sees and try to get financing just because he could and then try to impress himself or impress somebody to buy 20 properties in a year or two. Mm. I had to grow up is what I'm saying. I'm yeah. responsible for my future self. Yeah. For, for today, I think we're going to need to another, um, I'm going to say part two, when you have okay. a, a availability to talk about self-storage in details. But uh, my next question will be how the people can follow your success and contact you. Well, they can actually reach my email. It's uh, Matthew with one T, so M-A-T-H-E-W dot F at rccsol.com or they can go to my website rccsol.com and I've created about 100 videos about 1500 hours of my time about 75 hours of video it's not free but they can get that at rccsol.com slash videos and there's also some podcasts like yours that are there that I've been a guest at pleasure to be a guest of and they can hear some of those uh things. But people need to know that I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. I've had great success. But most of the mistakes I've made was through anxiousness. I was anxious to get to the next level. I was not in peace in my moment. You have to be in peace where you are and know where you want to go and be peace where you want to go. Or else you'll you'll tend to rationalize things (laughs) in the wrong way. But we, what we can say is that we're going to promise the listeners that you're going to come back for part two for the so, uh, self-storage because it's interesting subject and, and business strategy here in Ontario, especially on the cash flow. And uh, again, uh, we appreciate your time and thanks for joining us today. And uh, yeah, uh, appreciate it. I love being here. <laughs>